Welcome to Monday through Friday, Cellular Agriculture for a Pandemic for the Future. My name is George Ortega. This is episode number 16, and we're recording at 2.05 p.m. on Tuesday, July 28th. So, um, so basically, you know, we got into the morality a lot yesterday. And, you know, sometimes I feel bad when we address that, because on the one hand, you know, it's necessary to point out how, how wrong our behavior has been, you know, for so long, for decades, how we treat these animals. You know, um, on the other hand, you know, like I, I, I make it a point to, uh, to, um, you know, I guess to, to remind us or to you know, perhaps inform people that, that, you know, well, it's not really our fault. You know, it's like, you know, we were born into this world and this is the way the world is. You know, people like have been farming and eating animals for decades, for centuries, for millennia. And so like, you know, it, it would seem, you know, and like, I, I guess the problem is that, you know, for most of that time, um, the animals were treated relatively well, you know, in, in family farms you know, um, historic, traditional agriculture wasn't all that cruel to the animals, whereas, you know, over the last hundred years, especially, it's, you know, very different. All right, so, but um, I want to just, again, go back to just the basic points, you know, why, why, why it's important to, to do this, this show, this series over and over until, you know, hopefully people will, will appreciate these points and, and uh, it'll lead to, to, um, to cert certain um, necessary, very, very useful actions on the part of, um, well, it would have to be on the part of everyone, you know, in the entire world. So the, the first point we have to um, acknowledge is that, you know, these these pandemics are zoonotic. That means they come from animals. And, um, you know, whether it's a virus or, or bacterial uh, pandemic, it, it's still, you know. And while this one, you know, came from, from wild animals at this wet market in Wuhan, um, there have been um, other pandemics that, that have originated, for example, in fact, in family farms. So, um, and, and, you know, there's actually routinely, you know, that, that we don't hear all that much about. But like, for example, several months ago in, in South Carolina, I believe, um, they had to like, they had to, um, to euthanize um, about 30,000 pigs because there was an outbreak of, of, a, of a swine flu or something like that. You know, so, so the point is that um, it's our contact with these animals. Bef before the domestication of animals, there really weren't pandemics like this. You know, because again, um, over 70% of, of infectious diseases are zoonotic, they come from animals. And, and now, you know, in this world we live in, um, they become pandemics because we have like 
about 4 billion passenger flights every year going all across the world. So like, you know, if somebody goes to a place like China or, or Africa, they may be in Europe um, the next week and in the United States the week after. So it's extremely difficult to contain. So, so that's, you know, but that's the first point that, that basically these pandemics are coming from animals. And it's not just that, is that the animals, the way they're treated, the, the conditions um, under which we breed, raise them now are so unsan unsanitary, are so um, conducive to these outbreaks, you know, to, um, and uh, there's, there's other, you know, things we do like, you know, the, um, when, as we chop down the rainforest and, the, um, and we, we just clear land, you know, everywhere. It's not just like um, in the Amazon, it's like throughout the, the world, we, we, we encroach upon the, um, the natural environments and we cut that down. And for example, um, bats are one of the major carriers of these pandemics. So they, you know, they then will be much closer to civilization before, you know, there was much less contact that they would have with, with our domesticated animals. So like, you know, in a lot of these cases, a bat will, will infect a chicken or, or a pig. And uh, so that's a problem. All right. So the second thing we, we really need to, to consider, um, and this is like a misapprehension that's been um, perhaps understandably been reported by the media and politicians. You know, people are, the, the media and politicians to a certain extent are trying to help people through this. So one of the things I've been saying is, well, you know, this is a one in 100 year event, okay? Um, but, but it really isn't, it really isn't. It's, um, it's um, you know, the, the, again, um, they're referring to the 1918 Spanish flu. Um, that it, you know, it w went from 1918 to 1920, so that's 100 years. But but within that time frame, like uh, for example, um, in 1957, there was actually a major pandemic in the world, and there was another one in '68, and then the AIDS pandemic in the 80s has 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 killed um, over 20 million people. You know, that, that AIDS is a pandemic. It's a, it's a similar kind of um, contagious disease. So, and, and then like, you know, what's worse is like in the, tw in the two, um, 2000s, you know, these last couple of decades, the frequency of outbreaks have increased, you know, substantially and dramatically. Um, you know, we, we've had SARS and MERS and Ebola and Zika and, you know, swine flu, avian flu. And, they, you know, and again, this is like they're increasing because there's much more farming going on, much more contact between people and farms. The, the farming is much, much less, you know, sanitary, you know. Um, so, all right. So. That's the second point. Um, so we, in other words, like we need to be safe from, from pandemics like this. And we need, to, um, we need to change the way we do things in, in certain ways. So now the third thing is like people, one, one way, we, we essentially want to create a world where we don't have to worry about this happening again. 
that it, it really would be a one in 100 year or, you know, God willing, one in 1,000 year event, or maybe we can put an end to it completely, uh, which I, I, I think we can. Um, but so in order to do this, there, there are only really two avenues available to us. The first is that we develop vaccines, you know, or a universal vaccine, let's say a universal influenza vaccine, a universal virus vaccine, a universal bacterial vaccine, that it doesn't matter what strain, you know, happens to be um, circulating, happens to be, you know, creating the, the problem of the present, that this, this vaccine would protect us, inoculate us from any and all kinds of um, these contagious diseases. That's, that's ideal. But you want to know something? I'm not sure from a religious perspective. I don't think God is going to allow us that opportunity, that gift, because like, you know, we can't separate the religious component from what's going on, you know. In, in, my, in my understanding, um, you know, we, we do things right. We, we've done so much right in the world. You know, it, it's, it's obvious to everyone that, you know, people live very, very good lives. And, and, and we've, you know, it's because people have worked really hard, you know, and for centuries people have sacrificed, you know, people have in a certain, in a certain sense earned, you know, very good lives, you know, um, for, for so many people. Again, we're, we're living better than, than people have at any other time, much, much better in terms of like less violence, less poverty, um, less infant mortality, um, people are living much longer, much healthier, just across the world, so many measures. So, but, but, you know, just as we are rewarded by God for the good work we do, we, we are punished, you know, to the extent that, you know, when we pay people to abuse and torture these animals as a way of, of cutting the costs, you know, you know, they, they basically, these farms are created to, to basically have our, our meat products be as inexpensive as possible, you know, and that's 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 a goal that's profoundly contrary to to the health and welfare of these animals. You know, I've I've talked about this before. You know, chickens cramped into cages, three, four, five, six of them. They can't even spread their wings. You know, um, female pigs, sows. In, in, in a, you know, in these gestation crates for months and months at a time, they can't even turn around. You know, it's beyond horrible. So, so the idea is that like, yeah, vaccines may be a, um, an answer to this, but two things, you know, my, I've begun to do some research on this and, and apparently these kinds of vaccines are at the very least 10 years away maybe 15, 20, you know, it's a very, very difficult problem to solve. All right, so that, so, you know, vaccines are something that eventually, I think they're, they're gonna achieve. You know, by 2050, I would imagine that we'll have vaccines where we won't have to worry about pandemics because of vaccines. But, um, but before then, before then, you know, we don't want to live in a world where we're just dreading you know, the next time something like this is going to happen. And um, 
And so there's only one option available to us. I mean, one, we can divide it into two. The, the, the best option, the most ideal option, the, the option that would please God the most and that would lead to the best world, not just from, for those animals, for animals, but also for us humans, would be for our entire world to go vegan, to just become vegan, to, to have this leap of conscience, to just, just, just as like, for example, in, in the mid-1800s, we, we, we had a leap of conscience and we ended slavery, you know, the abolitionist movement. It's just like, it, it just like called a, upon our best selves and we rose to the occasion, we ended it. You know, it was a horrible institution. So we need a time like that. We need to, to summon that part of us to action uh, in, in terms of, um, you know, helping us to, uh, to be the kind of people that God will continue to reward and, and won't have to punish, you know, as, as apparently is happening with, with this pandemic. So, all right, so that's, you know, I, I hope, and, and I'm going to, you know, with this series, I'm going to try to move in that direction. Uh, part of the difficulty is that, you know, I personally, um, you know, knowing the world as I do, do, knowing people as I do, don't have all that much confidence, I mean, you know, that that people would be willing to do that, you know, and, and actually it's, it's like, you know, I don't think it's, you know, for example, I, I just read recently that, you know, the people the people hate, dislike the most, uh, the second, the second most, the first, I forget which is the first, um, might be criminals, I'm not sure, I, I don't know who people hate the most. But the people who people hate the second most are vegans. And this is our problem, you know, so why do people hate vegans? Well, because, you know, a vegan will, will point out to whomever they're with, you know, um, this, 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 this terrible crime of how we treat animals. I mean, like, you know, um, Ordinarily, people who eat meat, you know, they they maintain kind of like a, a blissful denial. They don't, they don't look at it, but you know, but you know, vegans, you know, call upon us. Even like you know, I'm a vegan, and like you know, I might eat in a restaurant with people who eat meat, and I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna say anything, you know, um, at that time. Although perhaps maybe I should, I don't know. But but you know, they they know I'm a vegan, so like it's a reminder. But so, yeah, so like, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I don't, you know, and I totally hope I'm, I'm wrong on this. I, I hope that um, maybe this pandemic is, you know, chastening us, is, is punishing us in a way that, that, um, that is reforming, you know, how we think of ourselves and how we think of ourselves in relation to these animals. But, you know, Worst case scenario, that doesn't ha happen for a while, and I believe it will happen. I, I believe probably by, by 2050, you know, there will be very few uh, carnists on the planet. Um, but all right, uh, um, so for the time being, so we, we, you know, very few people will go vegan. Um, so what do we do? How do we, how do we stop farming animals and, and continue to eat our meat? You know, that's what this series is about. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence, you know, and, 2013, 
seven years, six years before this pandemic. You know, uh, a researcher from the Netherlands, Mark Post in London, premiered the world's first cell-cultured hamburger, you know, creating hamburger patties. He created three of them in a lab through a technology known as cellular agriculture that involves absolutely no animal cruelty. You know, all they simply do is they take a, a biopsy the size of a grain of, of rice from an animal. It could be painless. It could be from, for example, with a bird, it could be from the feather of a bird because they just need these cells. And then they just trick the cells into believing they're still in the animal. They feed them this growth medium and the cells do what cells do. They just multiply. They, you know, they become more and more. And so I don't think it was simply coincidence that, that this amazing, you know, amazing technology was, um, was demonstrated. It was a proof of concept demonstration you know, just six years before this happened. Because basically, this is our opportunity. You know, in other words, like what I'm, what I'm saying is that um, we have the means within a few years to buy all the chicken, beef, pork, seafood, dairy, eggs that we want and, and not harm any animals in the process through this technology. You know, right now there are about 40 or 50 startups that are working on some research challenges to scale up the technology. They have to like be able to um, solve certain engineering problems for the bioreactors. They're kind of fermentators, like like or like breweries. They're you know the way bre um, beer is brewed or um, yogurt is made. You know they 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 don't have yet the the, the scale of, of the machines of the equipment that's necessary for this. There there are, there are several research challenges in terms of the media, the the food that these um cells are given and you got it's a it's, you know it's it's, it's a, a brand new field you know so here's the problem um 40 50 startups uh combined they um they're working with about a billion dollars you know um bill gates has contributed to this sergey brin who actually just um funded that those first three patties sergey brin is uh one of the co-founders of google you know um People are investing in this because they see the utility. Um, but, you know, at the rate of, you know, one billion may seem like a lot of money for this research, but at, at this rate of progress, you know, I've spoken to some of the industry insiders, uh, some of the CEOs of, of this um, industry, and they, they predict that it may actually be 10, 15 years at the current rate of funding that we're able to like, you know, solve these research challenges, that we're able to like scale up the production so that these products can be in our supermarkets. So, so you know, this, this, this series is about, you know, the last point is that, well, you know, if we continue, you know, with the business as usual scenario, the status quo of, of however much money is being invested, you know, every month or every year in this industry, you know, we will be 
unsafe from pandemics for for the next decade and and we may not you know i don't think we've been very very lucky recently i mean like you know i think our, our luck ran out when when trump became president you know a person so vile so so without you know conscience and, and, and empathy to be leading this country that's that's you know that's exceedingly unfortunate and and then like to be um to be plagued with this coronavirus you know three years later um so we haven't been that lucky and so like i'm not sure it's wise to um to hope that god willing we, we emerge from this distancing in in a year or two we will be free from pandemics until a vaccine is created or until you know these these lab grown cell based meats are available in supermarkets in 10 or 15 years we may not be that lucky and this is way too important of a risk of a threat to our well-being for us to not do everything we can to protect ourselves against it so so again what i'm proposing um an analogy with vaccines vaccines generally take about 10 years or longer to create the fastest one has ever been created was to address the 1957 pandemic and that took four years okay we're fast tracking this and what generally takes 10 years or four years in, in that case we're going to try to do in about a year and I, I i believe we'll do it you know you know basically we're just like we're pumping so much money into this research. Um, so many more researchers are involved in the work that we've, we're fast tracking everything. So my point is that if we can do that, you know, with the um, with vaccines, with, with getting these vaccines, we can do that with this cellular agriculture research. You know, we can do that to fast track um, the research on clean meat, you know, cultured meat, so that so that rather than having to wait 10 for 15 years for these products we can have them on supermarket shelves in two three years perhaps um what i'm suggesting you know i, I suggested initially I, I i started you know advocating for the release of 10 billion dollars um which seems so much like you know for additional research but then I, I was thinking about it, and that seemed too low, considering, you know, we, we've spent eight, no, we're predicted by the Congressional Budget Office to spend about $8 trillion on this, this crisis, right? So, um, so I figured, you know, like $50 billion would be, you know, to be released immediately to really fast track this research would be the wisest, most prudent thing we can do. And, and for those of us who think, well, you know, that is so much, that's too much, consider, consider it's only one half of 1% of we're, what we're predicted to spend to address the harm that this COVID-19 is doing to our economy, to our health, you know, one half of 1%. Okay, and... Um, I guess the last point relative to that is that, you know, if you want to compare it, you know, homeowners insurance, a person who buys a home, they will pay in annual premiums 
um, over a 10-year period, um, about four and a half percent of the value of the house, of, you know, the home, the property. Um, so, I mean, and, 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 and the point is that, you know, homes are rarely lost to fires and, and theft and, and, and these kinds of things that are insured against. You know, this, this, these premiums really are for peace of mind about something that's very, very unlikely. Whereas future pandemics, as the experts have been telling us, um, are not a matter of if, but when. You know, it's something that we know will happen um, unless we do something. So from that perspective, it just makes consummate sense to, uh, to spend this money to, uh, to scale up the research. And, and you know, if you're, if you're watching this, um, talk to your friends about it. This, this is an ideal time to, um, to get this done. You know, we're, we're fewer than, than four months away from a national election, presidential election. And, um, and everybody's attention, you know, would, people, people are, are, are suffering, people are distancing, people, you know, if, you know, it may be too early for people to really begin to think of, well, you know, how are we going to protect ourselves from this ever happening again? But, but I think, you know, I think people would, would, would value that kind of expectation, that kind of hope, that kind of realization that if we do this, if we, if we invest, invest $50 billion, you know, um, in this research, in a few years, we can have a world where, where we can be, you know, essentially pandemic-free, you know, pandemic-risk-free. You know, that's, um, that's, what, that's what this industry hold for us. And again, from a religious perspective, we're earning this protection because we're becoming much better people. We're, 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 we're stopping, we're abolishing the abuse and torture of these sentient beings that, you know, sometimes people say, well, they're, they're just like animals, they don't really suffer. But, but anybody who, for example, has owned a dog knows that dogs certainly suffer. And a lot of people don't realize, don't know that pigs actually are smarter than dogs. So um, they obviously suffer. And, and, you know, we know cows and chickens suffer. I mean, so, so to, end, to end that suffering, um, you know, would be a reason for God to reward us, to, to, for God to allow us to continue creating a better and better world where people are much happier and healthier, you know, where we end wars and we end poverty. And we just like bring people together in ways that have never happened before. I mean, again, the world is pretty amazing now, but it's probably nothing compared to how it can and, and will be, you know, once we, we start doing, and I believe we will, once we start doing what we need to do, you know, in terms of these animals and in terms of other um, issues that are affecting us. All right, I'm running out of time. So um, catch this Monday through Friday at White Plains Community Media, channel 76 if you get Optimum, Altice, or channel 45 if you get Verizon, and I upload the episodes to YouTube. So, um, all right, I hope you're having a good um, Wednesday. I will be back again tomorrow. I've got to like, I've got to 
dig up more more um facts for you you know um i think you know you, you can google what i say and and you know find evidence from experts you know from authorities but but i'm going to try to bring you more information to to let you know all right so thanks for watching i'll see you again next time